In the book of James, chapter 5, and verse number 16, James writes and says, Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. The Amplified Bible says the last part of that verse, the earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. I want to read that again from the Amplified. The current, I'm sorry, the earnest, heartfelt, continued. Notice those words, earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. Just what we were doing tonight is one of the keys to getting into the presence of God and that power being made available to us. It's absolutely, absolutely essential that we pray fervently, that we pray earnestly, that we pray in a heartfelt way and a continued way if we're going to walk in the blessings of the Lord. And one of the best ways to help us in the continuing of this is to pray in the Holy Ghost, to pray in other tongues. One of the reasons the devil doesn't want people to hear about speaking in tongues, one of the reasons he's clouded the issue so much and there has been so much controversy about it is because he is totally afraid when you do that. First of all, he doesn't know what you're saying. It's a language that he does not understand. Now I know that there are times when people speak in tongues and they sometimes speak with the tongues of men and of angels. But there, there is an aspect of tongues that is unknown to the devil and he hates that. We're praying out mysteries. We're praying out divine secrets. And it is such a powerful thing that we spend time praying in the Holy Ghost. And, you know, we've been teaching now for several Wednesdays about prayer. And um, particularly we're talking about prayer assignments. And um, this is one of the ways to fulfill a prayer assignment. Because when we begin to pray about things, we pray with our understanding. And many times, and it's very good to do this, we pray scripture. We find scripture that deals with what we're praying about, that promises us the thing we want. Or need, And so we pray scripture. We bring the scripture back to the Lord. We bring it back to him. We remind him of his word. Not because he forgot it, but we just bring it to him to return it to him. Well, I don't know about everybody, but I think I know about most people. Uh, it doesn't take a long, long time for me, at least, to run out of what I know. My understanding is not limitless. It's not infinite. So when that happens, I've learned to just change gears and pray and start and begin to pray in other tongues. It doesn't matter how I feel. 
I got over that hurdle a long time ago, and I know that is a real hurdle for people, especially when they're newly baptized in the Holy Spirit, and especially if no one is teaching them about these things. Maybe if they're in a church and that's just, you know, they got them filled with the Spirit and then didn't tell them much more. It can be uh, a difficult thing, a hurdle to overcome that we wonder why don't we don't feel a certain way all the time. And if I don't feel a certain way, can I still express the things of the Spirit through my vocal cords and, and uh, speak it out? Well, the answer is yes, you can. Paul said, I will. In the 14th chapter of 1 Corinthians, I will pray with the Spirit. And he meant praying in tongues, as you can see when you read the chapter and find the context of the, of the verse. And so, when I got past the hurdle and realized, I'm just going to have to push through. It's not based on my feelings. It's not based on what I see. It's not based on what other people think or are doing. But I know that since I'm baptized in the Holy Ghost and I receive that initial outpouring and I began to speak in tongues, I know that then I can take this and I can go with it. And, and what happens when you do is the very act of speaking in tongues grows. The language increases. It's like a child beginning to speak. And then as they get older and keep speaking, the, their vocabulary increases and increases. And so it is in the spiritual dimension. And so we have to start where we are, but we don't have to stay where we are. And it's amazing what uh, we can pray out or pray through, or we might say pray until it's completed, if we're just persevering in this thing. And we just have to keep on keeping on. Our example for a prayer assignment was Daniel in chapter 9 of the book of Daniel. If you want to turn there with me for just a few moments. And we learned last week, we took a little time, a good bit of time, and we read many of these verses. And what we found was that according to Daniel 9, particularly verse number 2, that Daniel understood by reading the prophecy of Jeremiah what time it was in God's calendar. He realized that the desolation of Jerusalem and the captivity of the people of Israel was only a 70-year sentence, if you will. That's a long time, of course. But he had lived now to see this, this period of time coming to an end. And so he said, I understood by books the number of the years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. So using your Bible in prayer is key. You will see things as you open your Bible and pray, as you pray and then come back to the Word, as you stop reading when you're prompted or you feel led to do so, and pray over those verses, over those words. The Holy Spirit may be saying something to you from that verse just on that day at that moment in time, and we just need to pray that out. There are some things like this prophecy of Jeremiah that applied to the whole nation. Uh, Daniel wasn't the only person that was going to be able to know about this, but it seems that he was one of the only or one of the few that knew what to do with this. You know, it's one thing to know the will of God, but it's another thing to know what to do with what you know. It's very, very important. You know, you can be stirred in your spirit and know that the timing of God is coming for a certain thing to happen or for a certain thing to end and a change to come, whatever the case may be. 
But you need to know what to do with that bit of information. Well, we found out last week in verse 3, he did the right thing. He says, and I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplications with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. Now, this was his assignment at this particular time in his life. Daniel by now was an old gentleman. He had lived a wonderful life, notwithstanding the fact that he had been carried away as a captive. He found such favor in his place of captivity that he was a very important man in more than one kingdom. He was, he was a carryover. He was so valuable they didn't want to get rid of him. Even the lion's den situation was, was trickery by his enemies and the king kind of got boxed into a place where he had no choice. But you know the story. Daniel was saved. And uh, everything worked out for his good. So he had lived a very long and productive life. And now he takes up this assignment to pray for the restoration of God's people back to their promised land. Now prayer assignments many times are this way. They are current in that uh, they're time sensitive. When I talk about a prayer assignment, you understand I'm talking about the Spirit of God dealing with you to pray in a certain direction. That doesn't mean that that's all you'll pray about. That doesn't mean you'll set aside certain prayer disciplines that we need to continually do, like the praying for those in authority that Paul told Timothy about and told us that we should pray for kings and all that are in authority. That doesn't mean that you would not make confessions of faith from the Word of God over your life, over your health, your body, your family, over your finances and all the things that we know to do to use the word as the sword of the spirit, to use the word as seed, you know, all those types are in the Bible, make good use of that, planting those seeds, speaking to the mountain if there's one in your way, all those things we know to do. These assignments don't do away with that. They are just something that God sees that needs to be done in the earth, and he adds that to our list. And I know that most of us think we don't need anything else to do. Most of us probably think we've got plenty. Maybe we're not taking uh, advantage of all that we have right now. I don't know. But, but the truth is, God looks for people to help him in the accomplishment of his will on the earth. Some people think that's a sacrilegious thing to say. Some people think that borders on blasphemy. There are people who are so adamant about their opinion and their idea of what God's sovereignty is that they just think it's just blasphemous for us to even uh, say that God needs us to pray or God needs us to cooperate with him. But yet, all through the Bible, that's what you see. You see God accomplishing his will through yielded vessels. Now, if you will, I'd like for you to go to the book of Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, chapter number 59. And I want to give you a little bit of <clears throat> scriptural background here. Isaiah, chapter 59. And um, let's see where we're going to start. I want to start in verse number 14. Isaiah 59 and 14. Now God is speaking through Jeremiah the prophet. And uh, we just kind of pick it up in, 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 you know, God is already saying some things. And you can read those. I encourage you to do that. But for the sake of time, we'll start with verse 14. It says, And judgment is turned away backward, and justice 
standeth afar off. Now we know that, that these are not good things. This is what's going on. He says, for truth is fallen in the street, and equity cannot enter. Yea, truth faileth, and he that departeth from evil maketh himself a prey. In other words, things are so bad that if you don't do evil, you become like a, a prey. You know, you're the oddball. Have you ever felt that way? At work or somewhere else that because you don't do and talk like everybody else that, you know, you're kind of the odd man or odd woman out and, and you know, you're kind of the object of ridicule or scorn? Well, it's not, the, it's not anything new. It says, and the Lord saw it. And it displeased him. It displeased him that there was no judgment. That there was no judgment or justice. And he saw, now notice this is very important. This goes along with it. And he saw that there was no man. And wondered that there was no intercessor. We know an intercessor is one who stands between men and God. An intercessor is one who comes in behalf of another person. That other person may not know how to approach properly. They may not understand the depth and the magnitude of their own needs. They may be rebellious and ungodly and not want to approach. But an intercessor is not hindered by the person who needs it. The biggest hindrance for an intercessor is our own lack of interest, our own laziness, our own busyness, that we're too busy to yield. There's nobody can keep you from interceding if you make up your mind to do so. So God wondered that there was no intercessor. In other words, there should have been. What would make God wonder that nobody was willing to do this job? That there was no intercessor. Therefore, his arm brought salvation unto him. Now, prophetically speaking, Isaiah is about 700 years before Jesus. And that's the, the, the fulfillment uh, of that, that he would bring salvation unto, unto the people through the Lord Jesus Christ. But the principle of an intercessor in the moment in time, wherever and whenever that person is called upon by God and is needed for to make intercession, that is their world, their moment, their time, and that's when it needs to be done. Amen. There are times when you and I will receive a prayer assignment that is time sensitive, it must be done now, and it's not something that's going to last six months necessarily, it may. But it doesn't have to. It may not last a year or five years. Actually, it may be that something is so urgent and there is someone or some group of people so in need that right now, prayer, intercession, this kind of praying is absolutely essential or the will of God will not be done for them. People have been prayed out of death with this principle. Whenever somebody comes to your mind, whenever God stirs you in prayer about somebody or a situation, don't say, I'll take care of that later. Don't say, I think I'll, I'm going to think about it. I'm going to check into it. 
I'm going to make a call first. No, pray. Pray. And when you pray, the Lord may tell you to call. He may tell you to do something else. But we have not done everything we need to do until we have prayed. And there's no substitute for this kind of obedience. If, you know, there's lots of places in life where obedience to God and obedience to the word and obedience to his will is absolutely essential. But I'm telling you, this is one of the most time critical places when we feel led to pray for an individual. And there are times when you'll be led to pray for people that you know who they are, but you do not know them. You've heard of them. You know maybe what they do. You know their occupation. You would recognize them if you saw them, but you don't know them. Don't ever assume that because somebody's famous, somebody's powerful, somebody's important as far as the world's concerned, that they have it all together. Don't assume that they know how to pray for themselves. And there are people who, though they are not perfect in all the aspects of their life, and who of us is, by the way, and there are plenty of people that maybe to us they don't seem to be nearly where they need to be as far as their commitment to God, their holiness, their sanctification. But you've got to realize that there are people that God has in places that if he can get through to them, if somebody can pray to the point where they are going to see something or they're going to realize something that they have authority and power to make key decisions that can affect many other people. And you see this in the Bible. Ungodly kings, all these people that Daniel served were wicked people. They were not Jewish people. They, they weren't good men per se. But the power of God and the supernatural helped to shape the course of history through key people that knew how to make intercession. And I'm telling you what the devil wants to tell you is that that's somebody else, but not you. That's a lie of the devil. The devil wants you to think that that's brother, big name preacher. That's the guy that's on television, or that's the guy that, you know, preaches to thousands every week. Uh, that's the person who has this awesome ability to, you know, sing and make music, and, 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 and congregations are just touched by, by their, their uh, ministry. Uh, well, you know, they can pray too, but that you don't have to have all of those credentials in order to pray. And as a matter of fact, it would seem here from this passage that actually there are times when God finds Nobody that will be willing to help. And I can tell you this. If you're one of the somebodies who is willing to help. Your blessings are going to be overwhelming. God's looking for these kind of people. Let's go to the book of Ezekiel. Again in the Old Testament. Ezekiel the prophet chapter 22. Chapter 22. Prayer assignments. They don't just come to the well-known, the older, more seasoned person, God is looking for people that are available. It's not your ability that God is, is looking for so much as it is your availability. Ezekiel chapter 22 and uh, verse number um, 
Well, we're going to start reading in verse 20. Well, we should start in verse 26 because we can read it and I don't have to, to, to try to paraphrase it so much. Again, Ezekiel is, is um, these things are looking, uh, how can I say this? This is the condition. This is where things are and it's not good. Her priests have violated my law and have profaned my unholy things. They have put no difference between the holy and profane. Neither have they showed difference between the unclean and the clean. And they have hid their eyes from my Sabbaths, and I am profaned among them. So the first problem was with the ministry. The first problem in this day was with the priests. Number two, verse 27, her princes, we come into the political realm, the ruling class. Her princes in the midst thereof are like wolves, ravening the prey to shed blood and to destroy souls. To get dishonest gain. Verse 28 gives us the third classification and her prophets. And in English, they just all happen to start with a P, easy to remember priests, princes, and prophets. Have daubed them with untempered mortar, seeing vanity and divining lies unto them, saying, Thus saith the Lord God, when the Lord hath not spoken. So you can see is a severe problem. Verse 29. The fourth word, beginning with P, the people. So they're the uh, priests, the princes, the prophets, and finally the people. Because as leadership goes, that will filter down to the people. And based on a scripture like this one, we have to ask ourselves the serious question. What kind of leadership do we really have? in all these areas. Most people agree that they're not happy too much with political leadership in, in this generation. But that's not the only people that God was speaking to. What about those in ministry? What about priests? What about prophets? Because as the leadership goes, eventually that's the way people go. So when I look around in our nation and I see that the majority of people, when they are polled, I'm not talking about voting polls and I'm not talking about party line stuff. I'm talking about from what I, I can gather, when people are just generally asked a question, not tying it to politics, but just asking a question. For instance, should abortion be legal in America? About two-thirds of the American population today says yes. And you can go down the list of other things. All the corruption that we decry is not just in the seat of power, but it's in your neighborhood. It's among our kinfolks. It's, it's all around. And the only thing that will change a culture is the power of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the only thing. It, it, it's not how nice the church building is. It's not even how many people show up on Sunday morning. It's the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ through the body of Christ. Not just preachers, but through everyone. You're preaching when you go to work. You're preaching when you go to pick up your children at school. You're preaching when you go down the aisle of a grocery store. You're preaching everywhere you go. You are a walking billboard for the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And so I'm not trying to condemn you. I'm not saying you're guilty of, of all these things. I'm just saying this is the general statement. As leadership goes, so goes the people. The people of the land, verse 29, have used oppression and exercised robbery and have vexed the poor and needy. Yea, they have oppressed the stranger wrongfully. And I sought for a man. Here again is this thought, God looking for somebody. I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it. But I found none. That's really sad. God says, I can't find anybody. And because of his justness, his holiness, because of his inability to change, it is impossible for him to lie. Because of that, he says, therefore have I poured out my indignation upon them. I've consumed them with the fire of my wrath. Their own way have I recompensed upon their heads, saith the Lord God. Now, if you take this in the context and you read all these verses and you, you just read them through without stopping as I have done to make all these comments, you'll realize that God's intent was to find somebody to intercede so this would not happen. You cannot read a passage like this without realizing how important God's people are for how things go in the earth. We can't just blame Washington or Richmond or wherever. The church needs to be the church. Amen. The church needs to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to preach the gospel without fear or favor. And to, and to just go back to the basics of the book of Acts and present to the world a supernatural Jesus who saves, who heals, who delivers, who will set the captive free, and who is coming again. And the closer and the more we get back to our message, our base, our scriptural mandate, the more power the church will have and the greater effect we will have on the world. You can't win the world by just trying to be like the world. You, you can't win the world by saying, what do you want? I want to please you. Those who have never had a nature change, those who have never been born again, those who do not know the Lord, they want that which is ungodly. They want everything their flesh wants. They want everything their, the lust of their eyes see. That's, that's a recipe for destruction. Generation after generation, empire after empire, culture after culture has came and went with those kinds of things. The church has survived for 2,000 years because of what it is. It is the body of Christ. We're not census takers. We're not opinion pollsters. We are preachers. We are proclaimers of the truth of the Word of God. We are those who declare truth without fear or favor or compromise, and therefore Conviction comes, the Holy Spirit comes to convict the, uh, to uh, confirm the Word of God, and people are changed. Amen. So God is looking for people to take up assignments. And I'm just, I'm just, I've got to quit, but I just want to encourage you. When you, if you feel led in a certain particular area on a certain particular day, 
just take up that assignment. And don't let go of it until you're through or finished. Until you're released and you've done the job you need to do, stay with it. And can I also say that these assignments are not based on our emotions and they're not based on our feelings. If you truly follow the Holy Spirit, you're going to pray about some things and you're going to pray about some people and you're going to pray about some situations that you would not choose to pray about. But a sure way to not have a productive prayer life is for you to have your list that's totally selfish. For you to only pray about what you want to pray about. For you to only pray about the things that you're emotionally tied to. That you are sentimental over. That you have uh, you know, emotional feelings about. If that's all you're praying about, you're probably not going to have many great testimonies. But if you will dare to branch out and let the Holy Ghost lead you. You'll be amazed at the supernatural results that will come. And as I said before, that doesn't mean you still won't pray for you know, certain things that you, you do pray for. But be sensitive to the assignments that God gives. And remember, start with what you know. Start with the scripture. And when you run out of what you know, let the Holy Ghost speak through you. Amen? Father, tonight I pray that you would help us to see this clearly. I pray that you would help us to understand how important it is. Lord, I believe you are still looking in the earth today for people to take up these assignments. Some of them may seem small in comparison to the ones we have just read about. I don't occupy the place that, like Daniel occupied for sure. But in my world and in my situation. I have my assignments from you, Lord. So help us to be sensitive, to be persevering, to be faithful. And I know that we'll have great results. Thank you, Lord, for entrusting us to be intercessors. To take the place of others. In Jesus' name. Now, I didn't get done with this tonight, so that we'll... we'll Hopefully, that's where we'll get into next week. There's, there's a whole different, seg another segment that we need to cover.